Hello, and welcome to I'm JDB. I'm your host, Jim, and together with my Disney princess, Nikki, we'll be your guys to the Weekend Geek, covering the latest pop culture in movies and streaming TV shows. This week, we issue a challenge for our birthright in episode 5 of The Mand- the Book of Boba Fett, and talking about what's new and <laughs> what's to look forward to on TV. So hold on, it's going to be Wizard. <laughs> wizard, nice, cool. <laughs> Indeed, but, indeed. But there seems to be loads of news this week, so we might as well just get right to it. Yes, lots of news. First of all, uh, some some news about um, our Twitter page, which is uh, IMJDB Podcast, of course. Uh, I created it to, create, to promote the podcast, but also add a visual element that you kind of lack in an audio format like this. Yeah, definitely. Um, so you'll often say, oh, go to our Twitter page to find a picture or a To find a picture a or, or, or a video or yeah. something. So cool if you like haven't that. checked out, make sure you do. That's right. And uh, follower, a Twitter follower, Pompey Footy fan, uh, alerted me of a collaboration between band Punk Rock Factory and uh, Jess Darrow, who played, Elise, uh, who played Louisa in Encanto. Uh, which is pretty awesome if you check it out. It's kind of it's it's incredible, and actually, I'm kind of disappointed almost that it's not the version of the movie because it is it's that's so right. Good. That's the song "Surface Pressure," and of course, uh, yeah, Jess played Louisa in the movie, and she's collaborated with the uh, Punk Rock Factory, giving it her best uh, pop punk uh, sort of impression, and um, yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. And then I noticed that uh, she she actually liked my tweet. That I uh, put out promoting her collaboration. So, Crazy. Louisa, if you, uh, I mean uh, Jess, if you're listening, thank you very much. That was pretty cool, wasn't it? It certainly was. And uh, Rock Factory, uh, if you haven't checked them out, ex- oh my goodness, I spent excellent. I spent a day listening to their discography after after I, I saw this collaboration. Um, they've got an album uh, that's basically just uh, theme tunes to Saturday morning cartoon shows. Which is right up my alley. <laughs> yeah, and because um, Jim and I obviously like uh, going to see live music and we quite like ska punk bands and the rest of it, we've seen um, these wonderful bands that have supported people like Real Big Fish called Suburban Legends. Oh, and yeah, they Suburban are, Legends are straight fire. Suburban Legends are incredible. They have all of their own catalogue as well, but they also do Disney versions. That's right. And they're all they're based in America. They're basically a band that would play at Disney uh, Land in California. And um, I think rock. Um, to be fair, yeah, I would put like punk version. rock. I would put punk rock factory on the same level as suburban legends. Yeah, hundred um, percent. They're like the UK equivalent. And actually, when you said to me, "No, they're a UK based band," I, I didn't. I was like, "What?" And I had to go and check them out. That's right. They're from Cardiff. From Cardiff. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so you know, might have sent them a uh, email asking to play at our wedding. Uh, haven't heard back yet. So uh, <laughs> I think it might be a no. More news as the story develops. <laughs> I'll keep you informed. Maybe if it comes to it, we need to petition them. Maybe I, not. I don't know. That's not, that's not cool. I don't know. Anyway, enough about me. Let's carry on with the news. Okay, so it's our fourth week doing this now. Really and, is, Yeah, it? episode four. Yeah. A New Hope. Oh, A New Hope. <laughs> that's right. So, yeah, and as I said, tons of news to get into this week. So, let's start with Netflix. And Netflix just released the uh, teaser trailer, and it really was a teaser trailer um, for the their Pinocchio uh, adaptation. They're long, it's been long gestating. Guillermo del Toro is going to direct it. It's going to be stop motion animation, uh, and they're saying twenty twenty two in December, uh, we're finally going to get to see this darker take on the yeah. on Carlo Collodi's story. Yeah, uh, Ewan McGregor mm-hmm. uh, will be playing Sebastian J. Cricket. 
as the full title he introduced himself and actually this trailer if you haven't checked out do so it wasn't even a minute long and it didn't really you know give what? a lot you know away. What? I'll put it on our Twitter page. Yeah, they are. Thank you. I am JDB Podcast. Um, but it's really not a very long trailer at all. And the most terrifying thing that he says in it, um, the Sebastian Jay Cricket, Cricket yeah. uh, is, I lived in Pinocchio's heart. So yeah, the he heart lives... of the little wooden boy. So he lives inside him. Said. And if that's not creepy enough for you, I can't imagine the rest of Guillermo del Toro's terrifying world is yet to come yeah. and be unleashed on us come Christmas this year. Yeah, it's an interesting take on the inner voice uh, concept. Uh-huh. So the cast for this, uh, we're going to have Finn Wolfhard supposedly playing Pinocchio, uh, Kate Blanchett as the, uh, the Blue Fairy, David Bradley and uh, Tarantino standard Christoph Waltz also attached to star in this movie too. Mm. Okay, and uh, due to the success of Robin Robin, a uh, holiday-themed short that Ardman released this Christmas... Uh, Which was so cute. Uh, Netflix of Greenlit Chicken Run. Uh, Chicken Run sequel, Rise of the Nugget. Oh. Um, yeah, so uh, Z- Zachary Levy from Shazam and Chuck... Uh, and Tandy Newton from Westworld are going to be replacing Mel Gibson and Julia Sawalha in the original original cast roles. Interesting. Because the first Chicken Run movie was, you know, it was all right. It was the great escape for kids, wasn't it? Yeah, um, I mean, I'd be lying if I said I'd seen it. But yeah, well, you know, I love The Great Escape. You know, it's one of my favourite movies. Every time I watch it, I still hope Steve McQueen jumps that fence. Oh, spoiler, if you haven't <laughs> seen it, he never does make it. I haven't seen it yet. Um, but Chicken Run, of course, they do make the fence. So, which, again, you know, why should we just let kids as always happy, know there's always happy endings? I mean, I think Chicken um, Run is on Netflix, so maybe I should check it out before yeah, I see this new I, I don't new take. feel you have to. Well, I really? mean, the reality is that the chickens in Chicken Run, if if this is a linear storyline, would actually all be dead by now. Because um, it's... Oh, that's, uh, that's cheery. Yeah. Yeah, maybe that's why it's called the Rise of Nugget because it's made for a it smooshed chickens together from <laughs> from the original Chicken Run. Anyway, we'll look forward yeah. to that later. I, on. I think you'll find that the Nugget in question is uh, Molly, who is the the child of the uh, 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 the characters played by Zachary Levy and uh, Tandy Newton, that were played by Mel Gibson and uh, Julia Swarhoe in the original. Yes, because her parents. And she's going to be voiced dead. by yes. Bella Ramsey. From Game of Thrones and Hilda, and soon to be seen in The Last of Us. Ah, as Ellie. That that's be, right. She was yeah. the one who, in Game of Thrones, was the young that's girl right. in the Eerie, right? Uh, no, she was the young girl who was uh, Jor- uh, House Mormont. Hmm. She wasn't so, the one who makes who makes the bad men fly. No, that's no, her, no, uh, no, that was a boy. Was it? No, she was she was a terrifying little little girl, um, Lady Mormont. I think she was eight, I think eight I do years remember, old. actually. Yeah. yeah, she also voices Hilda in the Netflix show, which, which is, is, again, another underrated. excellent show. Um, yeah, so Imelda Staunton and Jane Horrocks are returning to play their characters in Chicken Run 2. And new cast members include David Bradley of Doctor Who and Game of Thrones, uh, Ramesh Ranganathan, our old oh, friend. and family, actually. <laughs> he did post on his Instagram page. It, his not family just him, be in it as him well. and his family. So it might be because I'm his sure boys that, that hate him. Yeah. <laughs> well, to be fair, he does call one of his child prodigies um, a knob, doesn't he? Actually, he refers to him often. But um, maybe his mum's going to pop up because uh, she has quite oh, a big well, Instagram following. We, we can, but hope. Yeah. More, more. Uh, Mrs. Ranganathan's always a good thing. 
Uh, Nick Mohammed uh, from Ted Lasso is also going to be in this. Hmm. It's going to be directed by Sam Fell, um, who held Paranorman for Loquat and also flushed away for Admin. Oh. And original uh, Chicken Run writer Kerry Kirkpatrick is returning to pen the script. Hmm. Be honest, not convinced, but it's... Okay, well, the, I've got the... more Ardman news ah, for you. I was going to say, it's quite a good um, cast there and, and people with good uh Yeah, I mean, Rodesh so. Ranganathan and Nick Mohammed, sign, sign me up. I'll check that out, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we'll see. When's that coming, Jim? Uh, s- sometime soon. As sometime soon, okay. Uh, Wallace and Gromit's sequel is in active development for the BBC in the UK. Uh, it's going to come in 2024. So, uh, yeah, and then it'll be on Netflix uh, worldwide after that. Uh, Nick Park, the creator of Wallace and Gromit, is uh, attached to direct. Hmm. And Mark Burton, who wrote Curse of the Were-Rabbit, is writing the script. Interesting. So well, how, how they get past the um, the fact that Peter Salas is sadly no longer with us, mm. uh, who played... Um, Wallace in the, the previous animations. Well, they got around that with an advert. Uh, ben Whitshaw, uh, Paddington himself, oh, yeah, voiced him in a, in a short advert last year. Yeah. But whether that will be the case for the long-form movie, I'm not quite sure. Yeah, interesting. Okay, and lastly for Netflix, uh, Netflix and Mattel, working together, um, have announced that Sony's Masters of the Universe movie is now moving to Netflix. Oh. Um, Netflix have had uh, quite a good run of Masters of the Universe lately with Kevin Smith uh, doing an awesome, awesome sequel series, uh, Master of the Universe Revelation, uh, with an absolutely fantastic voice cast. And uh, if you ever watched He-Man, you you need to see uh, what Kevin Smith did with this material. Yeah, it was mind-blowing. Yeah, you'll never look at Orko the same way again, that's all I'm going to say. So uh, West Side Story's Kyle Allen, um, who was also in American Horror Story, all the stories for Kyle, mm-hmm. uh, will play He-Man slash Prince Adam, uh, directed by the Knees Brothers from The Lost City. They directed that. And David Callahan, who recently penned uh, Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings, um, was going to write it. So, uh, yeah. Interesting. That's cool. Uh, Disney Plus have been teasing a Percy Jackson TV show, rebooting the movies uh, for ages. And uh, and now it's actually been greenlit. Uh, Rick Rick Ryden made the announcement on a video that I uh, I put on our, uh, our Twitter page mm-hmm. a few days ago, uh, announcing that James Bobin, uh, Hampshire's own James Bobin, <laughs> yeah. uh, is is going to be directing the pilot. He most recently directed the pilot for the Mysterious Benedict Society for Disney Plus, mm-hmm. and that was great. Yeah, it was good. Uh, he's also uh, been a huge creative influence on Flight of the Concords, <laughs> Ali G, and he also famously directed The Muppets and The Muppets Most Wanted. That's The Muppets 2020, sorry, 2011. Oh, the best Muppets. Um, the best Muppets, yeah. Uh, so do you reckon there might be songs in it then? I mean, it's possible, but I, I, I don't know. I, as uh, yeah, I'm not really someone to talk to about Percy Jackson, apart from no, it being on a Disney Plus show and be it, that quite kind of piqued my interest. But I've not seen the movies. I've not read the books. Yeah, I think. So I, I don't think, think I'm the target audience. No, I don't think we are because again, it's a property that I've I've never read. Um, I don't know if maybe we just missed it because of our age. Yeah, but Ryden <laughs> said uh, the TV show is gonna it's gonna follow the Lightning Feet faithfully, but it's also gonna add nuance, backstory, and Easter eggs to keep the story fresh, even if you've read it all before. Oh, interesting. So uh, yeah, there might be a way in that way. 
Yeah, they won't want to alienate their audience, will they? So, yeah. Also, another snippet for Disney Plus, Secret Invasion, which has been filming in Atlanta, Georgia, has also secretly, been, well, not so secretly now, um, been filming in Leeds Town Centre. Yes, yeah, Samuel really? L. Jackson, Amelia Clark, and Olivia Coleman uh, were all spotted in the telltale huge Marvel blue coats that cover were costumes they? up. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they were in the Le- in Leeds out. Town Centre, all wearing matching coats, synchronised yeah. coats. No, I, I don't think so. Maybe somehow. they were the beginning of a flash mob. No. That's not a thing anymore, is it? No one does flash mobs flash anymore. Mobs. Far too much effort. I, I shouldn't have expected so. And then moving on to Amazon. Um, Neil Gaiman has announced that Good Omens Season 2 will have new cast members. So we've got D- Dame Sean Phillips, uh, most recently seen in Dune, but she was also Andromeda in uh, the original uh, Clash of the Titans movie, way, way back in... The original? The original, oh, okay. yeah. Yeah, she's going to be in it. Uh, Tim Downey from Outlander and Andy Oshro... Sorry, Andy Osho from I May Destroy You and uh, Ali Norton from Pirates of the Caribbean. Hmm. Returning cast to this are going to include David Tennant, Michael Thank Sheen, goodness. John Hamm, uh, Derek Jacobi and The League of Gentlemen. Well, all of them? All of them, yeah. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Yeah, Steve Pemberton, Mark Gatiss and Rhys Shearsmith all return for Good Omens Part 2. Oh, I did enjoy Good Omens Part 1. And David Tennant and Michael um, Sheen are an absolute joy together and they're just they really were in that and and staged which i thought was fantastic they're obviously very good friends off screen and it comes across yeah i mean to make a show in lockdown <laughs> together about lockdown that's uh yeah yeah that's going to test your friendship yeah exactly and of course and we love neil gaiman don't we we do love neil gaiman because of i don't know if can't people... wait for the sandman yeah, My Sandman's coming. I don't Can't know if, come soon enough. if many people are aware, but Neil Gaiman, of course, has written many a Doctor Who episode as yeah, well. Yeah, that's right. The Doctor's Wife, uh, Nightmare in Silver. Yeah, yeah, loads of different stuff. So his influence is felt far and wide, really, across uh, literature, but also our TV shows. And we actually got to meet him once, didn't we? We did, yeah. We went to an evening with Neil Gaiman. Um, well, that's not what happened first. Oh, no, also, no yeah, obviously, yeah. Um, we went to um, the ocean at the end of the lane, uh, which is named after his latest book at the time. It's uh-huh. still kind of his latest book, I don't think he's yeah, put no, a novel no, out since then. No, yeah. um, but the ocean at the end of the lane is a bus lane um, near, uh, near the sea yeah. in our, our hometown of Portsmouth. Yeah, so if, if anyone's a huge Neil Gaiman fan, you can go and visit the ocean at the end of the lane. Uh, it literally overlooks yeah, it was the, the sea. Wasn't it? Yeah, because... Because Neil is from Portsmouth, is that right? No, I think... no, his his, his grandparents uh, were live live near here, so he, uh, he, he, they they used to take him here when he was a kid. Oh, I see. That was a tenuous link, but it was a really strange day because we'd rushed down from work, hadn't we? I'd picked you up from work. That's right, yeah. And it was like a hot summer's day, and we were on the seafront in South Sea, and they hadn't opened this road, and they just started putting these fold out chairs in the road. And there was all these people from the council that had been invited and so on and so forth. And it was just an odd day because it was so hot and you'd just finished work and we wanted an ice cream. So we went and got an ice cream, which we got for free. Yeah, and then we got given some chairs to sit down on. And and like it was just a really odd scenario. And we watched Neil Gaiman eat a Cornetto. Yeah, someone went up to him and gave him a Cornetto. So, yeah, which he was gasping for, quite yeah. clearly. And I don't think we were meant to sit there because um, everyone else was... St- oh, it was a very odd time. And then we went to... And then even though we were going to see him that night, we yeah. hung around and shook yeah, his hand. And he was really right, nice. Yeah. yeah. 
very, very cool. And then we saw him read um, at the time from his new children's book, wasn't oh, it? Oh, Fortunately the Milk, the that's milk, right, yeah. Which is an excellent book. And, um, for all ages. Yeah, definitely, it's a really cute story. Um, but Neil Gaiman, bless him, was signing so many books... Yeah, that he three was hours it took to... ...putting uh, his hand into big bowls of ice because he was in agony and he kept going and signing these books because he's such a bloody nice chap, isn't he? That's right. And he signed... What did he sign for you? Oh, he signed my copy of Neverwhere, my beaten-up copy of Neverwhere. That's right. And he drew, um, he drew a picture of a, of a rat saying... Uh, Mind the gap, Jim. Uh, that's right. That and cool. and he signed our copy of uh, the Graveyard Book as well. That's which, right. Which I really love. And because my my favourite Doctor Who episode of all time is one of ones that Doctor's that, wife, that yeah. Neil has written, where the TARDIS takes on human form. Yeah, Saran Jones plays the TARDIS, yeah. <laughs> and it's excellent. And of course, at the time, the Doctor would always refer to the TARDIS as sexy, <laughs> and that was her name that she took. I said, "Oh, I'm sexy." So I thought I'd be quite funny and uh, ask David, um, sorry, him. Neil Neil Gaiman to write uh, "Too Sexy" in my graveyard book, which probably <laughs> f- was definitely funnier three hours before I had to wait and give him the book to sign. And uh, he said, actually, it was still funny when I got there. So that was okay. That's right, yeah. Yeah, anyway. Top bloke all around. Yeah, nice bloke. Enough rambling from me. Um, So, yeah, eventually we're going to get a Netflix show of the Sandman, uh, Neil Gaiman's uh, Magnum Opus. But I can't wait for um, Good Omens 2. No, yeah, Good Omens 2 is filming in Scotland right now. Oh, cute. That's cool. And uh, sticking with Amazon, uh, they've announced Red One, um, which is going to be a globetrotting holiday-themed big action movie. Um, starring The Rock and Captain America himself, Chris Evans. Um, uh, directed by Jake Kasdan from, from the most recent uh, two Jumanji movies. And written by Chris Morgan, who's written lots of Fast and Furious films. <laughs> but let's face it, the only one we really care about is Fast Five, which was the best one. And he wrote that one. So I'm quite excited <laughs> for Red One, um, whichever holiday season it turns up in. Do you think- be it this year or next year. Do you think it's basically going to be some kind of like Fast and Furious, like Santa story? Yeah, I mean, Red One, I think, probably refers to Santa Claus. That's that's just me spitballing, but... Yeah, well, we'll have to wait and see, really, won't we? But yeah, no, uh, always like a Christmas movie, uh, preferably at Christmas, so fingers crossed it comes out. And lastly, a couple of weeks ago, you might remember we talked about Snow White... Yes, and the, the seven girl dwarfs, in the woods, that's right. About how Prince Charming wasn't going to be Prince Charming anymore, it was going to be Robin Hood... And um, yeah, and there was going to be a soundtrack written by the people who wrote Greatest Showman. That's anyway, right. well, now the movie's not even called Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. You did ask me about the dwarfs, didn't well, you? Well, yeah, because we were talking about how like um, inappropriate would it be yes, to have dwarfs? Yes. Well, Peter Dinklage uh, of Game of Thrones fame is echoing your your your, uh, your sentiment there. It's nice that he listens because he he said. Um, <laughs> How how can Disney be so well? I'm paraphrasing here, but you said how can Disney be so progressive in one mm. way by having a Latino actress play uh, Snow White uh, and still make a film about seven dwarves living in a cave? Yeah. Um, and Drew Taylor, um, a journalist uh, that I'm a huge fan of, uh, writes for The Rap and The Collider, and also does a podcast at Disney Dish with Jim Hill. Uh, he's he's uh, he he's uh, got the scoop that the dwarves. Are, are going to be replaced by seven magical creatures. And they're going to hold... Uh, well, apparently they're looking for big voice talent to voice each one of them. 
Um, so yeah, they're not even going to be dwarves anymore. So the movie's just called Snow White now. I like to still go with my version, just called The Girl in the Woods. Snow White, The Girl in the Woods. No, That's... not even Snow White, just The Girl in the Woods. I mean, Seven Magical Creatures does feel a little bit like a cop-out. Um, like I think they're they're going down the right road in the sense of let let's not have dwarfs or little people, um, but yeah, but really seven magical creatures because the dwarfs themselves you, you love creatures. I do love creatures, but they've got to go out of their way to do something amazing. And will they still set Snow White in Germany, which is where traditionally the story is from? And There's not a lot of information about this project floating about. No, and. Or, or will Snow White be in a new magical realm of some description? Because I'm not dissing our European native species, but but really, what what magical creature is she going to have coming out of the forests of Germany? The magic rabbit, the fox, the badger. It's basically the animals of Farthingwood, which would be exciting. Oh, yes, would pay to see. <laughs> yeah, which would... Snow White and the animals of Farthingwood. There you go. That's the working title from there on. I mean, to be fair, thinking about it, I would pay to see that. But I do feel it would be improved if, for example, one of the animals maybe wasn't a European native and maybe was a dragon. Um, but, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, valid. Well, no one can say, say to me that's not what's happening yet because uh, the movie's not out yet. That's right. So um, so it's time to sound the spoiler alarm. Spoiler alarm, <laughs> spoiler alarm. <laughs> wow, I thought that was more impressive than that, but there we go. <laughs> Spoiler alarm, because we're going to talk about the Book of Boba Fett, Episode 5, The Return of the Mandalorian. Yeah, so what we're going to try and start doing now, guys, because we're really aware that some of our, for some of our listeners, or for some people who want to... Yeah, we have to, listeners. Who thanks, want to, thanks a lot, guys, for listen, <laughs> and, 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 and girls for listening. For, and people who maybe aren't gender-specific as well. And that uh, too, yes, of course. <laughs> All of our wonderful listeners... Thank you. <laughs> but but we're very aware that there are some people out there who haven't yet had a chance to watch the book of Boba Fett. So for anybody um, moving forward, what we're going to start doing is essentially give you the news at the beginning and then a spoiler alarm and each week will be a different noise. Um, oh, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> yeah. Um, with the plan then... Possibilities that we'll... are endless. Yeah, they? they really are. Um, and then the section we'll talk about book of Boba Fett. So... Um, you're not going to miss anything now if you stop here um, and come back to us to listen at the Book of Boba Fett. So um, once you've watched it. So anyway, let's continue with our spoiler. OK, so we see a plastic curtain in a slaughterhouse <laughs> and a familiar looking uh, visage behind it. Yeah, it like, was a bit stars in your it eyes. Really F, was. It really was. Yeah, tonight, Matthew, I'm going to be the Indigarian. That slaughterhouse looked nasty. It really did. It also reminded me of the uh, the 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 blood rave uh, sequence at the start of Blade. Yeah, true, true. Yeah. Which, um, yeah. So we see Mando, uh, and of course it's joyous to see him again. Yeah, it is because it's been too damn long. Uh, but we also see straight away he's less focused on fighting. He's making mistakes. Yeah. Uh, and getting injured, which is not something but we're used to not, seeing. Not him. just that he injured himself. Injured himself? Yeah, with the dark saber. Oh, right, yeah, of course. Well, that that would give you a nasty neck. That, uh... <laughs> it, I think it just shows, as you're absolutely right, he's not 100% focused, his head's not in the game. Um, and he's slipped back into bounty hunting. Um, yeah, he just comes across a little bit sloppy, really. Which I didn't expect to see him do again after, uh, after the events of Season 2 of The Mandalorian, but I guess when, you're, when you've lost someone like that, then... Uh, 
Yeah, I just think I think you're absolutely right. I think it just shows his Anything focus familiar isn't familiar. Anything familiar to hold on to. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so he goes to slaughterhouse and he's going to. Quite and he's the got bounty. the dark saber, which yeah. is awesome. And to and be honest, like the gonna... dark saber is awesome, but he doesn't make it look awesome because he's no, really he... struggling to wield it. Exactly, he doesn't quite know how to handle it. Hence, why he's injured himself by cutting his own flipping leg with it. Yeah. But the bounty doesn't want to come cl- cleanly, so he has to murder everybody. Yeah, yeah. He issues the same ultimatum he did in the pilot: "I'll take you in warm, or I'll take you in cold." And he's taken them all in cold. Let's face it. Yeah. And the dark saber is useful. The fact that it's co- you know it's small and it's compatible, and was really good at cutting off heads. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. So we see him meet up with uh, his old ally, the armourer. Yeah, that's right. So he goes to this really bizarre looking like... um, It's almost like a space station, but it's a big ring, isn't it? Um, Something which I haven't seen before in in Star Wars lore. Um, It might be out there, so if you know where exactly this this space station is, do give us a shout out on our um, Twitter page at IMJD. So I'm JDB Podcast. Thank you very much. It's too dyslexic for me. No worries. Um, so yeah, if you know exactly where this place is, do do give us a shout and if you can let us know your reference of where it comes from because that would be really interesting. And yeah, he goes to collect his bounty and then goes and meets up with the armourer again, who I just don't like. Yeah, she uh, she's an odd fruit, isn't she? Odd fruit, that's the way to describe it, isn't it? And she's also got with her one of the last... Well, is it the last remaining person from their sect? Yes, yes, that will be Paz Vizsla um, of House Vizsla. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, played by John Favreau um, himself. Yeah, and and those of you who haven't watched Rebels or Clone War, yes, Clone well, Wars. it's your own fault now. You haven't done your homework, as you say, as you as you would say, Jim. <laughs> Because that surname, Vizsla... Good, good. Let your hate flow. <laughs> should uh, ring a bell, right? It certainly should. Yeah, John Favreau also played pre-Vizsla in, uh, in the Clone Wars. He uh, was the head of Nightwatch, but he didn't... I'm not quite sure what this what this weird cult um, that the Armourer seems to have formed after, uh, after the events of the Clone Wars is, because Bo-Katan and, pa- and pre-Vizsla were both part of that. Mm-hmm. They know they have a problem removing their helmets, which seems to be the worst thing that you can do to the armorer. Yeah, yeah. So right. yeah, I'm really not quite sure why someone in House Vizsla wouldn't remove his helmet when Pre Vizsla had his helmet off all the time. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. If you go back to look at any of the Mandalorians in Rebels and Clone Wars and such, like, like literally taking your helmet off just to chat is normal. It's not, not a big deal. No, yeah. it's really not a big deal, and and it. <laughs> Yeah, we've seen them from the Mandalorian. The armor has really that, had a big, a bigger influence on on the Dinjarin. Yeah, well, he was their foundling, of course, wasn't he? So he was That's reared right. in their in their culture and in their stories of of this particular sect. But but yeah, you don't take your helmet off ever. No, um, apparently not. And and yeah. It doesn't go well for him with this visit. Even though Sabine had her helmet off oh. all the time and the night owls had their helmets off all the time. and But anyway, that's something for Favreau and, Favreau and Filoni to fix at some other point. And I would definitely be interested to know that story a bit more, actually. And, uh, yeah, the armour, of course, Bo-Katan, who I just mentioned, a cautionary tale, which is throwing some shade in a huge way. <laughs> She's throwing shade, yeah. You're fine. And the the spear that uh, 
that Mando was awarded uh, by Ahsoka yeah. is then melted down into what looked like rings. Yeah, is it present for Grogu. That's right. So, firstly, the armorer says that the spear should be melted down to make armor for 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 Din Djarin, doesn't she? Yeah. And he's like, "No, I want to gift it." And to be fair, he still has like pristine armor. Yeah, his armor's pretty cool. And so, yeah, you're absolutely right. The armorer makes these rings, and I'm assuming that potentially we're having some kind of like chainmail like vest or something being made for Grogu. It, it certainly did look like it was going to be a little, little chainmail vest, yeah. So, yeah, we'll have to see where that ends up, won't we? Yeah, and then we see that the Darksaber is, is, is basically like Radioactive Man issue one <laughs> uh, between Bart and his friends as Paz Vizsla um, issues a challenge for his birthright since he's of the same clan as Pre Vizsla and, and uh, legendary Tar Vizsla, who was... Uh, the first to wield the dark the dark saber, as it was awarded to him by the Jedi. Yeah, and of course he was the first Mandalorian to be Jedi and Mandalor- a Mandalorian, right? Yeah, and yeah, and and basically Mando just takes him down. <laughs> yeah, he does actually. Uh, quite easily. Yeah, and what was interesting was the armorer was trying to give Mandal uh, Mandalorian Dinjanar and some some training tips, wasn't she, on wielding the dark saber? That's right. Yeah. Because. Let's remember this. This is a blade which is part lightsaber, essentially part blade, and we know that that Jedi's go for extensive training to it's be able Kyber to... infused with Beskar. Yeah, 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 exactly. So we know that Jedi have to go for extensive training to be able to wield their lightsabers properly, and this is why it looks so clunky, and this is why it looks so heavy. My clunky, <laughs> clunky, and the and you can see the armor there trying to say to him, look. You've got you've got to kind of work with the blade. Stop trying to like wield it. That's right. It. Yeah. So um, yeah, that now because um, Paz Vizsla never removed his helmet, and because uh, Din Djarin did, he's cast out. Literally kicked out. Actually kicked out. Yeah. Ridiculous. I don't think you need him, Mando. I think you're fine. No, and again, they were trying to say that. You know, now Grogu... I kind of... Well, I know it was kind of insinuated, but they were basically saying, now Grogu's left, you don't need to go back to him and all of that jazz. But we know he needs Grogu in his life. That's where his balance is. That's right. So he uh, he takes a flight to Tatooine. On a commercial flight, by the way. Yeah. So he has to go through airport security. <laughs> uh, you know, I kind of love that because we just see people all the time in Star Wars flying around in their own private ships. The reality is most people don't have their own private ships, so they're no. having to take commercial right. flights. Um, like Star Tours. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we're seeing them, but less course, exciting. Um, well, I guess it depends what flight you're on. Well, there's a rebel um, spy on there or yeah, not, basically. Yeah, but of course, they're, um, he's having to check all his armoury, uh, he's checking all his weapons, including the Darksaber. Uh, he's been checked in by a little droid that looks like a DJ Rex again. Yeah, it's, it's another Rex, yeah. Um, and if anyone's been to 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 Disney World, Disneyland, or wherever, you'll know that that these DJ Rex kind of droids pop up all over the place um, as a little service droids. So, but yeah, and he sits on the aeroplane, and this little kid waves it's a little at him. It's so kids, cute. Yeah. <laughs> so cute. That's all right. And um, so we see he's gone to visit Pelimoto, uh, everyone's yeah. favourite mechanic, previously seen in uh, seasons uh, one and two of The Mandalorian. Yeah, and she is in the background of, I want to say, like, episode one or two of The no, Mandalorian. No, you, no uh, it's not, the book of Boba Fett. Yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah, you do see her. 
Yeah, we missed that about them, didn't we? I um, didn't. Yeah, I know. You should have brought it up on the podcast, then, shouldn't you, darling? <laughs> and, um, yeah, so Pelimoto is still a, a haven for discarded droids. Uh, as we've seen the pit droids from the Phantom Menace, we've seen R4-D5 from A New yeah. Hope. And now, BD-1! BD-1, which I was really, really excited about. Because... Uh, BD1, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, and I know I say I don't play many video games, well, but I played the hell out of Jedi Fallen Order. It was like my last huge playthrough of a game I actually completed. Uh, and um, yeah, BD1 is uh, an awesome little droid who travels on your shoulder uh, throughout the campaign. And um, he ha- can can open doors by, with his scomp link and even hack uh, enemy droids. So say you go into a room and there are like four uh, Imperial um, imperial uh, droids like uh, K2SO coming at you. Like he can hack one and that way it's like two against three. So yeah, very, very cool. But what I'm wondering is where the timeline uh, uh, lines up and Fallen Order was set um, before A New Hope and... uh, yeah, Cal, where's where's Cal Kestis? Where is he? Well, why's 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 BD One now there in the in the haven of forgotten droids with Pelimoto? I mean, yeah, it's, it's worrying. So yeah, we see a womp rat. Uh, you know that Luke used to bullseye in his T sixteen back home, and uh, yeah, a womp rat attacks uh, first BD One and then Pelimoto. Yeah, but luckily Mando's there and uh, saves the to day. the rescue. Do-do-do. That's right. It turns out that Mando's visiting because uh, he's been told there's a new ship for him. Yeah, because, of course, the Razor Crest was destroyed at the end of Mandalorian Season 2, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. And we know commercial flights aren't particularly very helpful for Mando, so uh, it makes sense that he tries to find himself a new ship. That's right, and she's got a Naboo N1 Starfighter, Mm -hmm. uh, which was previously seen in The Phantom Menace. Yippee! You know... Anakin. <laughs> I love him so much. Yeah, yippee. Oops, oops, yippee. So then uh, it's, it's a uh, basically a, a Pimp My Ride Galaxy Edition. Yeah, and all the droids are pitching in. It's really cute. Very, very cool. Uh, I think what swings it for Mando after he initially doesn't really want it is learning that there's no Imperial chain codes on it. Yeah. So it can't be tracked. And, and it doesn't need to go to hyperspace. Yeah, he doesn't need to go through these like gate portals, does he, to jump? That's right. So he, he takes it for a ride through Beggar's Canyon. Yeah, and... a nice callback again to like pod racing. Yippee! Yeah. And, uh, but then he flies too close to a commercial airliner, <laughs> uh, giving a thumbs up to that Rodian kid again. I know, the same Which was one. a nice little bookend. And he's pulled over by poor Hyung Sung Lee. Mr. Kim himself, Carson Teva, who uh, he really wants to talk to him, but he doesn't have to. Yeah, and we've, of course, met them before in Mandalorian Season 2? That's right, yeah, two. Episode 2 of Season 2. Yeah. So, yeah, again, it's nice to know that the, the space police, if you like, are out and about, and they recognise Mando, And I think they? he was trying to recruit um, um, Cara Dune in, in the end of Season 2, but as we know, due to the actress's comments... That's not going to happen now. Yeah, no, she she messed up her Star Wars story. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. That's, there's a reason there's a Bo-Katan TV show coming and not a Cara Dune one. That's all I'm saying. Uh, and then uh, we see Mando run into Fennec 
and um, as you'd expect, he's asked to help out his old buddy Boba Fett. So now we're going to get a nice Boba Fett Mandalorian team up that we expected this week. But it was really nice just to have this stealth episode of the Mandalorian it, instead. It was, wasn't it? Because did we even see Boba Fett at all in this episode? We'd, we'd, we did not. Well, no, we saw him in the recap, but that, that doesn't technically count. No, 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 no. And again, it just gives us this time and place of the storyline and how it all fits, really, with the book of Boba Fett, doesn't it? And prior Mandalorian uh, seasons run alongside or run before the book of Boba Fett. So it just helps us give a bit more context to the story, doesn't it? Indeed, indeed. And that was episode five of the book of Boba Fett. So next week's going to be shit hot. Yeah, let's hope so. So it's time for what we've been watching this week. And uh, there was another uh, Robert Carlock, uh, Tina Fey show um, that I missed called Mr. Mayor. So <laughs> Ted Danson as the titular Mr. Mayor and Bobby Moynihan. And it, yeah, it's, it's what you'd expect from Robert Carlock and Tina Fey, really. More 30 Rock, Kimmy Schmidt, Girls 5 Ever style cutaways and jokes. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a great show. And if you haven't watched it, check it out. What platform's it on, Jim? Uh, that would be on Peak. Yeah, Peacock on which is on uh, now or um or or Sky Key. Yeah, so yeah, it's quite accessible. So if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend checking it out. It's one of those shows you can pop on. Yeah, there's end a full the season. Day. It's really good. There's a full season one available and also a Christmas special. Um, uh, season two is continuing in April. Oh, okay. So that should be interesting and very funny. Uh, and yeah, I don't really know how hard it is. I don't know how easy it is to talk about this next show without spoiling it, so we can't really say much. But oh my goodness, part part one of season four of Ozark was, as the kids say, straight fire. <laughs> Do they? Um, is that what the kids say nowadays? Uh, yeah. Well, as, as we learned, I am the official young person <laughs> spokesperson. Of kids. Yep. Yes. Hello, fellow kids again. Yeah, if uh, you haven't watched Ozark yet, what are you doing with your life? Are you living in a cave with magical creatures? Yeah, it, um, it's more than just Netflix is Breaking Bad, which is yeah. what people say about it. Yeah, um, yeah. 100% go watch it. Watch it now. Don't leave the house. Watch all of it and then come back to us and we'll start talking about just, Ozark just the progression for a few weeks. Watching Jason Bateman go from Arrested Development to Ozark is, is stunning to watch. Um, basically, this season, the stakes get higher. Things escalate. People die, uh, and yeah, I, I mean, when when can I see part two of, se- of season four? Please, please, Netflix. And moving on now to the After Party, which is a TV show by Lord and Miller for Apple TV, and uh, starring people like Ben Schwartz. We've watched the first three episodes. It's a murder mystery a comedy murder mystery and each episode is told in a different genre style so the first episode which you don't even have to have apple tv to watch you can watch it on youtube cha- uh, apple's youtube channel that's right yeah it's not even any adverts in it is uh is, is a story told from a rom-com uh perspective which is quite funny yeah. uh and the, and the next two episodes are told in the style of a fast and furious action movie and then an absolute banger of a, a musical episode is episode three and uh, yeah i can't wait to see how it unfolds over the next few weeks now you've been watching um a new show from downton abbey's uh creator uh the gilded age yeah i i've really enjoyed it i've only seen the first episode because that's all that's available at the moment um and i think we get a new episode every month yeah, the next episode is dropping on the first of february um, so 
which is Tuesday actually. Yeah, there you go, every Tuesday. Um, so there we are. Um, and it's it's totally watchable. Basically, it's set up in a um, in an American city, and we've got old established old money if you like living and rubbing shoulders with yeah yeah with new money um from the railways and just the politics of the servants and the new ladies trying to get ahead in society it's very down abbey if you enjoyed that you'll love this and, and it just gives you a bit more of a context to american society and how it all kind of operates and it's just really ridiculous but um totally watchable and there's loads of really wonderful actresses and actors in it and the cast is really good and um yeah i'm here for it and i'm i can't i'm literally cannot wait for the second episode yeah that's julian fellows the gilded age and that airs every tuesday on now or sky q mm-hmm. okay so coming up this week over the next four days we've got four shows that i think everybody should check out okay okay so we've got the return of it's always sunny in philadelphia oh, season 15 god i cannot wait for always charlie sunny. day glenn howerton rob McKelney and caitlin olsen return for a 50 oh danny devito return oh. for a 15th season of very very wrong things <laughs> And again, how on earth have they done 15 seasons? 15 years of, of sunny. It's yeah. just bonkers, right? Um, and whenever you say always fun, sunny to me, of course, there's only one episode that comes back to mind and it's just always Nightman, oh, oh, fighter of the, the day, day man. man. And if you don't know what that is, you need to watch Always Sunny. Well, it's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, season 15, drops on February the 1st on Netflix. Oh, all the TV's coming Tuesday. That's right. And on Disney Plus slash Star, we've got Pam and Tommy, a miniseries about a stolen sex tape starring Sebastian Stan, the Winter Soldier himself, mm. as Tommy Lee. It would be weird if it was Pamela, right? <laughs> and Lily James as Pamela Anderson. I don't know, it could be progressive and do gender swap roles. So, yeah, so this show is uh, directed by Craig Gillespie, who directed uh, Cruella for, for, for Disney, and uh, also I, Tonya. Two very cool, quirky uh, movies, and uh, yeah, this uh, this is an interesting one. Apparently, there's there's it's more weird than people think. I've heard it being com- compared to Venom. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. There's more to this show than people are saying. So anyway, that starts uh, weekly, uh, February second, on Disney Plus. Star. Again, don't you think that's a really odd thing to be going on to Disney? Yeah. I know we've got Star, which obviously... I mean, it aired in Hulu in the United States, but Star is basically Hulu for the UK, isn't it? Yeah. I know it's more than that. But... I'll be honest, I'm I'm not convinced by this show, but I'll check it out. And if it, as you say, it's probably more to meet the eye. Yeah, Seth Rogen's involved as well. Oh, so, so it's going to be batshit then, isn't it? Yeah, it, it, uh, should, be ve- it should be very funny. Uh, yeah. Sebastian Stan looks unrecognisable as Tommy Lee. Uh, he doesn't look like Sebastian Stan anymore, I'll put it that way. Uh, anyway, Murderville, um, Will, Will Ferrell's uh, murder mystery with an improv guest playing the detective that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Oh, I literally cannot wait for this. Yeah, that drops on February the 3rd, so that's 1st, 2nd, 3rd Ooh, on, on Netflix again. And Amazon are releasing Reacher, which is an adaptation of the book of the Jack Reacher books by Lee Childs um, about a cop, uh, an ex-cop drawn into corruption. Um Previously played by Tom Cruise in two films. Um, now now played by Alan Richardson, who is much more like the literary version of Reacher, i.e. built like a brick shit house, 
<laughs> and very, very tall. He played the Hawk in the, uh, the DC Universe's uh, Titans TV show. Which so, I didn't watch. I, I, I know, I watched the first two seasons of Titans, and Titans is an interesting one because the first season's so good, and then it lets itself down at the end of the first season. And then so season two of Titans is so good, but then it lets itself down at the end of uh, the second season. So season three is out, but I'm... I'm yet to want to go through that journey again, just in case it happens. Basically, I mean, maybe back. I should watch it. Basically. Let me know if you think Titans season three is worth watching. If you've seen it, let me let me know. I'd like to check it out. We're back to that old adage of "Come on, DC, try harder. Stop letting us down. <laughs> you let yourself down. You let the fans down. You let everyone down." Yeah, I mean, I really liked Doom Patrol. That was cool. What I saw of it. Did Did I watch that? Yeah, you did. Oh, Doom did Patrol. Oh. Brendan Fraser, Robot Man. Mm. No, I don't remember. Just drawing a blank there. Okay, yeah. fair enough. Well, anyway, that's all we got time for this week. Uh, don't forget to uh, subscribe on Spotify and also uh, follow us on our Twitter page, mm-hmm. which is IMJDB Podcast. That's it. So, if there's been something that we you're watching that we aren't talking about yet, do get in contact and tell us because we would love to hear your recommendations for what you're watching too. Okay, then. That's that. Goodbye from me. And bye from me. And And send send it it to to the the internet. internet.